Hey all, and welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Heartless. And I'm your other host, Natalie. If you're looking for an easy to grok explanation into the lore and characters of the stories behind the game happening right now, the Magic Story Podcast is the best place to start. This season is all about our murder mystery set, Murders at Karlov Manor. Today's episode is episode two of the main story titled Monsters We Became, and it is written by Sean and McGuire. Join us as we head into the multiverse. Last week, we started doing something we've wanted to do on the podcast for a really long time and we're so excited about, which is releasing the full audiobook narrations of each episode before we release the recaps. So if you're tuning in just now and you're seeing that, that's what's happening. We've just got this new cadence. So we're going to be releasing on Mondays will be the story. And then on Tuesdays will be the podcast recap, which is what you're used to from Natalie and I, where we tell you, we break down the story, we go through everything, we give you some behind the scenes stuff. We tell you a little bit about the cards in the set that uh, pertain to the story, etc. And we just want to say thank you for listening because y'all showed up. Yeah. And speaking of breaking down some of these episodes, I'm going to give a quick recap of what happened last time before we dive into today's episode. So what happened last episode in episode one, we were introduced to this relatively new estate called Karlov Manor. And this is an ostentatiously wealthy just district that has been erected after the Phyrexian invasion by the Karlov family. And it's headed by the by the very noble, aristocratic and fierce Tesa Karlov. And Tesa Karlov is hosting this party where all of the guilds are represented and they're just pouring into this very elaborate estate for uh, for a night of fun and, and and honoring some of the happenings going on in Ravnica. And it's also well, to honor- almost all the guilds are represented. It's, it's almost all the guilds. If you, if you remember, the Demir were distinctly absent from the gathering, and the Golgari swarm was also absent from the gathering. Um, so that's it's kind of important for today's episode as well. So keep that in mind. And... Tesa Karlov was, in addition to trying to show off how, how powerful the Orzov Syndicate has become since the Phyrexian invasion, um, she was honoring Kaya, our planeswalker Kaya, for being the savior of the multiverse and yada, yada, yada. Kaya hates it. She hates having the spotlight on her, but she's kind of enduring this because she feels like she owes Tesa and Ravnica, really, because she wasn't on Ravnica when the Phyrexians actually descended onto her home plane. Um, so she feels like she and kind boy, of... oh boy, will Tesa not let her forget She will not it. let her forget that. So it feels like Kaya feels like she she let Ravnica down in a way and she feels like she failed Ravnica, which she didn't. We talked about that at the end of last episode where she definitely d- didn't, but that's Kaya. She's kind of, you know... Taking this on as like, yeah, I'm to blame for this. So she's she's staying in Ravnica and kind of putting up with this party and Tesa's, you know, very, <laughs> very loud and 
really uncomfortable being introducing her to every single guild leader it, it, you name it throughout this party she's like parading she's par- her that's around. a great word she's parading yeah. <laughs> kaya through her party and while she's parading kaya through this party we are introduced to we were introduced to a lot of characters last episode but we were introduced to our guild leaders we were introduced to aurelia who is the boros legionnaire angel captain who is so freaking cool. We were talking about how she's like the coolest commander card ever, but we were introduced to Aurelia last episode. We were introduced to a character named Lavinia last episode, who was the new head of the Azoria Senate. We were introduced to Tulsimir, who was the guild leader of the Selesnya Guild. We were also introduced to Vanifar and Zagana, who are part of the Simic Combine. And there's some, you know, bad blood between them a little bit, but they, it seems like they've Mended some of those past hurts. I mean, they are suspiciously talking. Yeah, they are suspiciously talking to each other at this party, which was remarked as a little bit strange because Vanifar had thwarted Zagana for head of Simic, um, head of the guild. So, you know, this is the first time we're seeing them kind of like in friendly terms. Um, And then we were also introduced to Judith, who is the head of the Rakdos guild and was very in your face. Um, (laughs) And Her design is just so good. It's so good. Like, sorry to interrupt so your recap good. for the eighth time, but her design is just so good. Like, it's so striking. I love it. I, ke- I keep using that word for this set. Striking. It is very but striking. that's because this set yeah. is striking. I mean, it's so elegant. It is the elite of the elite. It is like going to the Met Gala, essentially. Right. This is... Going to this party. This is a Hollywood party on every scale. It's like the, the stars of the show are here. This is a red carpet for Ravnica, essentially. And so yeah. it's it's... I totally don't mind you interrupting because we do need to spend time on these characters and who they are because they are extremely important to Ravnica. Um, and yeah. all of these characters are going to play a pretty big part in the events that are about to unfold here. So the final three people that I wanted to really quickly recap on, because they're going to be important for today's episode, um, we were introduced to, uh, well, reintroduced to Tomic last episode, um, who is the proper leader of the Orzov Syndicate. Um, we were also introduced to the Archon Ezram, who is the head of what's called the Agency with a capital A. There was a big long name for the agency. I'm blanking. The, the agency, agency of Magicological Research. I think I'm remembering that. Investigations. Correctly. Investigations. It was Magicological Investigations. I investigations. Remember that now. That's it. Um, yep, we so, got there. <laughs> yep, we got there. So the Archon Ezram is the head of that agency. And one of the new detectives in that agency just so happens to be our old friend, Kellen. And he is now he is now an investigator with the agency and is also at this party. And at the very end of the last episode, Kaya had heard a scream coming from somewhere within this party. And we like we have no idea where the scream came from, but it was loud enough to interrupt the entire party and this giant estate. So it was urgent. And Kaya, of course, was dropped everything and was like, I'm going to be here for Ravnica this time. I am here. And she races off without a second question. Tessa got to her, right? Tessa yeah. clearly got to her. She really got in her head about how she, quote, wasn't there for Ravnica, even though, you know, she was busy saving the entire multiverse, which you know, happens deal. to include Ravnica. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, we pick up right where we left off last episode. So Kaya is running through the Karlov Manor. She's searching for the source of that scream that she heard. And Tessa is right behind her. 
And they eventually come to a locked, ornate door where a bunch of servants are just hovering around. And seeing as the door is locked and much of Karlov Manor is warded against ghosts, Kaya can't just phase through the door to check what's on the other side, much to her chagrin. She's kind of like, hey, I got this. And, and Tace is like, where do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. what, what do you it's think? It's like, hold on there. You can't just, you can't just go yeah. through a door. <laughs> Um, and yeah. so now they have to wait for the servants to fetch the key to the door. And this waiting Kaya describes as absolutely intolerable. She's a woman of action, our Kaya. And this is when I feel that I, I so feel that like I can't imagine being like being able to phase through solid matter matter like Kaya can and being like, hold on, we got to get a key. <laughs> like it's just got to yeah. be so infuriating. So this is this is where Ezrem the Archon approaches them. And Ezrem says that if someone is hurt or a crime was just committed, waiting for this key really isn't in their best interest. So Tesa gives the okay for Ezrem to just bash down the door, which he does in about two blows. He's big. He's a big boy. <laughs> He's a big boy. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> Kaya rushes in first. So they bash down the door. Kaya rushes in first and she just gasps. And when she reappears in the hall, we can tell that she saw something. She is she's like looking pretty ghastly. She's in shock. And she just says that they have to fetch Vanifar immediately. And Vanifar, if you remember, is the guild leader of the Simic Combine. And Ezram insists here that the agency needs to be represented as well um, and orders and, and turns to the servants and says, bring a detective from the agency to come investigate immediately. So I bet we're all wondering, what did Kaya find in the room? Well, this room is one of the many small sitting rooms scattered across Karlov Manor. And this room in particular had been repurposed into a coat room of sorts. So there is just an absolute pile of coats in the center of the floor. And I'm going to read this next part from the story because it's not just coats that we find in that room. Zagana of the Semic Combine was artfully arranged at the center of the pile. While there were signs of a struggle around the edges, there were none around her body. She was posed as prettily as a doll, her left hand raised to the level of her face, which was turned slightly to the side. If not for the fact that she so clearly wasn't breathing, it would have looked like she was posing for a portrait of herself in repose, fins and hair both arranged to their best possible advantage. Okay, so Zagana who was, until recently, the guild leader of the Simic Combine, until Vanifar, the jellyfish woman we l met last episode, had taken over, is definitely dead on top of a pile of coats in the middle of Karlov Manor. Murdered. But why? By whom? How? Why pose the body like this? All the questions we're wondering, too. What's weirder? There's a black iris placed in Zagana's cold fingers, and black flowers were not in any of the arrangements Tesa had for the celebration in fear that it would appear like a funeral or reminds guests of the Golgari, so this came from somewhere else. From someone else. A commotion draws Kaya and Tesa back out into the hall, where detectives of the agency have gathered along with Aurelia, that Boros angel commander, who is affronted that they did not summon her immediately and like okay Aurelia calm down there's a lot going on here. seriously calm she, down <laughs> yeah but she's also very like 
irritated at the agency. She claims that Ezra and his detectives just have no business being here and that this is her domain. So Karlov Manor is in lockdown now while investigations are underway and Tasa insists on saying nothing to anyone here until Vanifar arrives. And finally, Vanifar does arrive and Tasa exclaims that Zagana has been killed. And everyone in the vicinity goes immediately into shock. I mean, no one was expecting this at all. And everyone is reacting differently. So Aurelia, I'm getting the hint Aurelia does not like the agency, but we'll get back to that in just a minute. Aurelia snaps her wings open and immediately declares that the Legion will take over from here, find the killer and take them into custody. The agency detectives immediately begin to argue that. Vanifar, meanwhile, only seemed to be in shock. While these people all squabble over what to do next, Kaya sneaks away to think on her own. She manages to find temporary solitude up on that balcony where Tessa had honored the guests and addressed the gathering not too long ago. Kaya watches the Azorius mages and the Boros legionnaires questioning all of the partygoers, who are all ushered into really uniform lines to step into the mages' verity circles in order to determine everyone's guilt or innocence in the killing. She remarks that it's so well executed that she's suspicious the Azorius expected things to go wrong tonight. And her assumption is not wrong either. Just from the invite list alone, trouble was almost guaranteed. Eight of the ten guilds, who we had shared last episode, have a lot of complicated history between them, a lot of it bad, all gathered together in a single place. The Demir and the Golgari were absent, but everyone else was here, and the guilds, they don't particularly like each other. So Kai returns to the crime scene, where only Ezrim remains outside the door. Tessa had gone to a different room with Vanifar to offer condolences and, you know, allow Vanifar to compose herself. Remember, this is a political gathering. Vanifar cannot just be out here freaking out. She's she's really, Tessa's stepping up and being a good friend here, right? She's being a, yeah. a good political ally, probably more so than friend, let's be honest. But she takes her aside and, and lets her kind of compose herself. Now, Aurelia and the Boros were beyond the door in the scene itself. So Kaya goes into the room where Aurelia immediately ruffles at her presence and declares she does not need Orzov assistance. And not long after Kaya enters the room, some of the Azorius mages do as well. And they claim that no one is above reproach. And they ask Aurelia and Kaya to step into a verity circle for questioning. They agree and answer the questions. Had either of them done harm to Zagana, either directly or indirectly? No. Had either of them killed her? No. Did either of them know who had? No. Did either of them have suspicion of who might have done so? Kaya managed to swallow Judith's name, telling herself that curiosity didn't rise to the level of suspicion. And quick little side note here, Kaya had remarked while she was watching the, the Verity Circles earlier from the balcony, she had noticed, she had remembered that Judith had mysteriously disappeared just before the scream happened. So she was kind of suspicious that maybe Judith had something to do with it, but she doesn't know for sure. After the Azorius drop the Verity Circle around Kaya and Aurelia, they turn around and do the same to the agency detectives that are in the room. Kaya ruffles Aurelia's feathers some more by stating it's all too clear that the Boros and the Azorius planned for something like this to happen. Were you away from Ravnica so long that you forgot how things worked? Asked Aurelia. There have been changes, yes, but the core of the city remains as it always has been, as it always will be. The Azorius keep the law, the Boros enforce it. A group of amateurs playing at protection will never displace us. Kaya glared. The guilds aren't everything. 
Did you feel that way when you led the Orzov? If you did, it's no wonder they replaced you at the first opportunity. The guilds are Ravnica. Well then, Ravnica, do you have any idea what happened here? Or are you as clueless as the rest of us? Ooh, so... Kaya and Aureli are really butting heads here. Yeah. Yeah. Like claws are out. Um, And man, like I can't help. Like I love Aurelia. Don't get me wrong. But wow, she is being way too uptight about this. She's territorial. She's being territorial. Yeah. Yeah. She's being like, she's like, this is my domain. You do not step in here. And like, I mean, I kind of don't blame her because look at Kellen. He looks like a baby. Yeah. You know, like he's grown. (laughs) He still has that baby face. And like, I, I can't imagine like I've been doing this job for years and years and years and I've been doing it well. And all of a sudden she's an angel. And then this little kid is just like, and his friends, his group of ragtag uh, agency folk are just like, we're here to save the day. And she's like, excuse me, you're not. I'm here. It's under control. You can step back, baby child. I am Aurelia of the Boros Legion get out yeah. essentially yeah. and and something that's really important here that that Aurelia is reiterating is that the guilds are Ravnica like Ravnica from the ground up are all about these guilds they don't know anything else they the guilds are what make up Ravnica and things that don't conform to the guilds are scary are things that they can't fathom are things that they are against you're either with the guild that you are with or you kind of don't exist on Ravnica. So that's like a really important piece that Aurelia is really trying to hit on here is that like on Ravnica, you are part of the guilds or you are nothing. And and so just like I think that was really, really important to, to emphasize from Aurelia, how Aurelia sees it. And then it shows the differences over Kaya has seen way more than Ravnica. You know, she has seen the whole multiverse. She sees that there's more than just the guilds of Ravnica. It's just that and and she kind of sees it more realistically. But when you're on Ravnica, the guilds are everything. Yeah, they're not only your whole personality, let's be real. Yeah. But they're also your livelihood. And they make up like what you do and how you do it and how well you do it. And mm-hmm. so it's everything. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. She's not wrong. Yeah. And Aurelia is not wrong. Absolutely. It's just that the austere way of Aurelia seeing the guilds is Ravnica. Um, and that was a really like um, important like piece, especially if you're a new person into magic and, you know, the... The other Ravnica blocks are a little bit before when I originally got into magic as well. So this was really important, like really important insight for me to see how austerely they saw the guilds. Yeah, it's really fun to dig into the story and really dig into Ravnica because like obviously like Ravnica is so important to magic that even though I also wasn't playing magic when the last Ravnica set came out, I know so much about Ravnica just because everyone talks about it all the time and everyone associates with it. And that's, you know, when you ask what guild are you, you're not referring to anything else. You are referring to your Ravnican guild. Like that's so intrinsic to magic. And so it's really cool to be able to explore this place. But anyway, I digress. Let's get back to the story, Natalie. So anyway, Back to the story. Back to the story. A So in this room that they are in, in the, on the crime scene, a new person enters the room. And this person is described as a human man, skin a few shades lighter than Kaya's, hair dark on top but graying at the temples, dressed in a long azure coat. I believe I may have some idea what happened here, he said, calmly as if he was requesting a cup of tea who he is and this man gives quite an arrogant answer 
I am not your killer. I may, however, be your savior. And this is Alquist Proft, or the great detective Proft to some, apparently. A detective in Ezram's agency. According to Alquist himself, According to Alquist. (laughs) The great detective Proft, according to Alquist. And and Proft just immediately inserts himself into the crime scene. And he uses very keen eyes to determine clues. And he immediately determines and draws the connection that the black flower, the iris, is representative of the Simic. And Zagana had been arranged such that the sign of each guild is visible on the coats beneath her, and a pattern has been formed. And this design shows all ten guilds. So he may be pompous. But he's good. (laughs) He's good. He's already... Kaya had already looked at these coats, right? Kaya had seen some of the um the symbols of the guilds but she had not seen a few of them and he came in and he was like here's this one here's this one they're all there yeah and within a few seconds just yeah within seconds yeah and she's kind of like okay like kaya is um kaya's viewpoint is maybe a little more broadened than aurelia's like aurelia's whole life is the guilds but kaya has been able to kind of rise above that and away from that and see things more clearly, I think, is a, a kind of a good way to think about it. Yeah. And so Kaya is a much more graceful here. And she's just kind of like, okay, hmm. all right. What do Interesting. You, what do you have she doesn't here? have anything yeah. against the agency. And in fact, Kellen no. had helped her out, you know, at like at the party last episode. So she's kind helped of like, her kind of escape from yeah. Tessa a couple like, times, which she appreciated. <laughs> yeah. So she doesn't have anything against the agency or Proft. And Proft points out that Kaya and the others had failed to spot the one member of the Demir that was actually there at the party, even though they had said before, no one from Demir is here. We like, and from Kaya here, even specifically said no one at Demir was present. So this this sparked my interest. I was like, wait, what? Demir yeah. is here? Exactly. And he saw. And and how did Kaya miss that? Right? Yeah, like, that's no kidding. Crazy. But from here, Proft takes Kaya back to the central floor. And he's talking all the while. He says, The Verity Circles were cast and checked according to the guest list. If someone failed to appear on the list and evaded the circles with care, they could easily escape questioning. If it were someone who had good reason not to want to be questioned under conditions of absolute truth, say a demir spy and known assassin, it would be simple to exploit the gaps in our investigation until the gates are locked. Honestly, the only thing I don't understand is why the individual in question lingered long enough to be caught by the lockdown. She's far too skilled for that. Where is she? Asked Kaya. I didn't see anyone wearing Demir colors. Did you really think a Demir agent would make their presence so apparent? I might not have seen her had she not been taking such exquisite care to avoid interaction with members of the Slesnia Conclave. Given that she was wearing the colors of their guild... They should have been her closest companions, not a reason to step aside. And this startles Kaya, realizing she was so quick to go back to the Ravnican way of thinking. She assumed no one would wear the colors not associated with their guild. Like no one would dare to. Not like, yeah. oh, I wouldn't just like, oh, I, I'm not going to do that because that's not my guild. No, like the audacity yeah. of wearing of wearing someone else's guild. Big deal. It just would not like... Like, on Ravnica, that is not okay <laughs> in any capacity. And and clearly this Demir spy is exploiting that. Yes. And so Proft makes for the fringes of the crowd near the lowest ranking guild members of the, all the partygoers gathered in the courtyards. As they reach the edge of the crowd, 
Proft motioned for Kaya to step back, then continued onward on his own, moving until a dark-skinned woman in Slesnia green and white was standing almost exactly between them. Her gown was perfectly tailored, fitted precisely to her form, and a beautiful exemplar of the season's fashions. There was no reason for her to have caught anyone's eye apart from admiration or envy. No reason, save for the lack of any guild logo visible on her person. It was a jarring omission, given the precision of the rest of her attire. Makes sense, Kaya thought. There were no laws against wearing another guild's colors, but wearing their shield, on the other hand, could come with consequences. Yeah, like, that's great. That's right. Like, that's wild. Like, mm-hmm. if I just, like, wear the logo of a guild. It's like, against imagine, the law. Like, to... It's against the law. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. So Proft asks this woman, Atrada, to come with them. Atrada turns and hisses to both of them, which reveals her vampire incisors. And now Atrada, some of you listening out there who have been into magic lore for a while will recognize that name. Newer folks may not, so a bit of context here. Atrada is a vampire assassin from Demir who doesn't really care about Ravnica or the guilds and is notorious for it. She's incredibly intelligent, she's capable, she's independent, and cold in her viewpoint. Like, she does not really stand for much of anything, and she's frightening because of that, especially to the people of Ravnica. And without any warning, Atrada turns and flees into the hedge maze of the Karlov courtyard, and Kaya races after her, tapping into her planeswalker magic to try to keep up with her, but Atrada has a head start and is escaping. And Honestly, like, even if you have the magic to phase through a hedge maze wall, if you don't know where someone's going, that's not yeah. going to help you. It's a maze. Yeah, you it's know? a it's maze. Not, it's meant to be confusing. Yeah. And and Atrada is very cunning. She's very smart. And she's a vampire. So she has all of that kind of going for her. Remember, we're in the middle of the night. So she's going into a yeah. hedge maze, into she's the darkness. Advantage. Yeah, she has some advantages here. But then all of a sudden, the landscape changes. Instead of the Karlov hedge maze... Suddenly, the surroundings dissolve into an alleyway in Orzov that Kaya knows very well. This magic that is changing the landscape doesn't seem malicious, so Kaya kind of uses it to her advantage because in front of her, Etrada seems lost, turned around in this unfamiliar place that suddenly, you know, it reveals itself in front of her, while Kaya is able to close the distance. She was within 10 feet of the vampire when the white landscape collapsed around them and Atrada plowed directly into Kellen. The young agency detective looked surprised, even as he clasped his arms around the runaway Demir. And it turns out that that magic that had changed the landscape was from Alquist Proft, who can transform images from his head into reality. I can recreate anything I've ever seen, he said, tapping his temple. Okay, I'm just taking a moment. That's cool. That is so That's really cool. cool. <laughs> like, it's kind of similar to Amalia's power yeah. from Cat Lost Caverns of Ixalan, where she was able to, like, use her pen to cha- on the map as a cartographer to change the landscape. But this is, like, this feels more powerful than that. This is like, way you more powerful. Like, you can, if you can imagine, a, you know, a volcano. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. can dump somebody in a freaking volcano. Like, that sounds really crazy. I love this power. I think it's neat. It's it's an amazing power. There's there's only one limitation to it, though, where 
uh, Proft was very exhausted after just changing that one piece oh. of landscape. So he was like winded and kind of really, really felt like that zapped him of a lot of energy just to create recreate that one thing. So I think yeah. it costs a lot more than what it cost Amalia to do, but still, would way you more say powerful. that it costs more mana? To oh, it might it might just cost more naturally? mana. Uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Okay, so back to the scene. Kellen approaches... Uh, Kellen approaches. <laughs> Close. <laughs> so back to the scene. Kellen apprehends Etrata and Proft places a hand on Kellen's shoulder while the guilds begin to converge on the scene now. He states that the agency doesn't seek glory or recognition, but they will settle knowing they managed to locate and apprehend a dangerous criminal when the guilds failed to do so. Ooh, that cuts deep yeah yeah like like we said earlier when kaya and aurelia were kind of get into it claws are out like, yeah. like there's no weapons really but you can tell that there are some tensions going on here and well this isn't a group this this is a group that would use a weapon however this group's weapon biggest weapon primary weapon is their words because yeah. it's a political area and these are all people who are vying for power or for a seat at the table or whatever it is. But no one here does not have a purpose. Right. And so, like, these are these are very eloquent speakers. I am really enjoying the story because of this. Anyway, yes. Please yes. On. Same. So this is when right right here where um, after Kellen apprehends Atrada, this is when Lavinia descends on the scene and demands immediately that Atrada be remanded to Azorius's custody. And Kellen does release Etrada to be apprehended by the Azorius mages and she is hauled away. And for today, that's how we end our episode. Ah, oh, I want to know more. Me it's too. So good. Me too. I'm really enjoying this one. Um, it's so good. It's so fun. And I love the like the detective coming in and being like, here Croft? are the eight clues you missed. Yeah. And Kai is just kind of like, okay, all right, show me what you got, bud. And yeah. I, I don't know. It's just a cool dynamic I to watch of, her watch him. <laughs> yeah, I kind of pictured know? her on the like if she's there, like with her hands on her hips, just nodding in in the background. Yeah. She's like, okay, <laughs> me okay. too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I see. I see. Exactly. Because she doesn't have like, yeah, she doesn't have anything against the agency, like we said. Like she's kind of like, no, okay, let's let's see what they got here. Um, and they well, did she wants manage to know to, the truth. She doesn't yeah. want to know the truth that is best for her guild. Yeah. Right? And right, that's the difference right. in Kaya and possibly Proft and everyone else who's looking at the scene. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, all right, y'all. Our murder mystery continues in our next episode coming to you right around the corner. And remember, we are releasing the full audio narrations of each story just before we drop our recaps now. So check those out on Monday. Check the recaps out on Tuesday. Or just listen to whichever one you prefer. Hey, we, we just appreciate that you're listening at all and we're glad you're here. As always, you can read the story for yourself at mtgstory.com. Thanks so much for tuning in today, all. We'll see you in our next episode. But until then, have, have a magical, magical day. day.